Willow, how y'all doing? Y'all good? Well, I'll tell you, I am peacock proud and hyena happy to be back here. And I don't know if y'all noticed, but you are welcome. Did y'all see the sun shining this morning? I brought that from California. You are welcome. Yes, 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 yes. We're in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, as the video just showed. And as, as we read the passage um, and as we look at it, I, I want to encourage you to um, bring your, uh, not, not just your theological lens, but your drama lens. Because uh, let me tell you something. This is a drama. This is dramatic. Uh, and it's a, little, it's, it's a little crazy. Don't miss the crazy in the text. Like, Mary was chilling. They, I'm sorry, chilling. Uh, relaxed in her normal state of being. Um, she's about 14-something. Uh, they, they say she's around 14. And, and literally an angel comes and tells her, you're pregnant. Now... I don't know what your pregnancy story is like, uh, but let me tell you something. Uh, if my wife come and tell me Gabriel stopped by the house and told her she was pregnant, I'd be like, oh, okay, you should probably go with Gabriel. You should probably, you should probably pack a bag and go with him. Uh, it, it's devastating. So my prayer is that we would, don't, don't allow the familiarity with the text to cause you to miss some of the subtle miracles, the subtle miracles. And I say that because my prayer and hope is that you would walk out of here today with eyes, not just to see the subtle miracles in Mary's life, but to see the subtle miracles in yours. There is unexpected miracles of hope that I feel that the Lord has gone before and laid before you, but you got to have eyes to see them. So, with fresh eyes, with fresh ears, let us re-engage these ancient words again as though it were our first time. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. No shade, Elizabeth. That's a little disrespectful. Um, 
And, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this great church. Thank you for this great season that we find ourselves in. Father, I pray that you would speak, O Lord, like only you can. Tune our ear to your voice so that we might hear you ever so clearly. Turn our heart toward you so that we might experience the fullness of all that you have for us. God, it's to that end that I ask that you stand in my body, think through my mind, speak through my vocal cords, those things you would have us say, know, and do. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight. Oh, Lord, you are my strength. You are my redeemer. Get glory in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've got to see Mary is overwhelmed. Uh, Mary is in shock. And notice what Mary pays attention to in the text. First of all, just the greeting alone. Just, just the greeting alone. Uh, let's see. Uh, The angel went to her, verse 28, and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Listen, the, the angel comes and says, You are highly favored and the Lord is upon you. And she is worried about her being called highly favored. Uh, Mary, what about the fact that an angel just showed up at your crib talking to you? Got any concerns about that? Like, she's not even thinking about, she's not even acknowledged an angel has come. She's just like, highly favored? Who are you talking about? This is concerning. Because she wasn't used to being called highly favored. As a matter of fact, everything in her makeup is not highly favored. And then... (laughs) And then he goes on to tell her, you're going to be pregnant, you're going to have a baby. But then he says, and, and, and he will reign on the throne of God, and he's going to overshadow you, and the Spirit's going to do this amazing thing, and God, and he will be forever and forever. And, and the first thing Mary says is, okay, all that's great, but one question, how am I going to get pregnant? I'm a virgin. How is that going to happen? Her mind immediately goes to the very practical. You're talking to someone who this ain't going to work with. You, you're talking to somebody. You, obviously, you done messed up and showed up in the wrong house. You got your GPS off. You're supposed to be at somebody else's house. I'm, I'm, in Nar- I'm in Nazareth. Now, all folks, most historians would agree, Nazareth is the equivalent to the hood, a very poor, underdeveloped, uh, low-expectation uh, kind of community. As a matter of fact, the word on the street was, can any good thing come from Nazareth? That means it wasn't a, it wasn't a great place. Uh, she was young. In the culture, youth literally equated insignificance. Not important. Not that big of a deal. Um, and th- th- this, this is a stretch, but there are some theologians who will make the case that she wasn't that attractive. She wasn't that attractive. Well, Albert, how can you say that? Well... There's, in, the, in the Old Testament, there's a passage that talks about Jesus' looks and says that he was not one to be desired. Now, if Jesus wasn't that attractive, you got to ask yourself, where did he get his looks from? Now, you can say he got them from the Holy Spirit, but I ain't about to go there. I, 
I'd say his unattractive looks probably came from his unattractive mama. So you got married. Just think about it. I don't know. I don't know. But just think, just, just think about it. So you got Mary who's in this podunk, podunk town with low expectation. She's young, 14. And she, she's not the most desirable girl in the neighborhood. But this angel chooses her. That's why her first question is, do you have the right person? Are you sure you got the right one? She doesn't say that, but she's basically saying, I'm troubled by the introduction alone because you've already called me things that I'm never called, and that's favored. You're already looking at me as though I'm somebody that I don't even see myself as. And I'm in a situation because I'm betrothed to Joseph. Like, it's kind of like between engagement and marriage. It's like a third, it's like a little middle space in there to where they're technically married, but they haven't conceived, they hadn't, you know, they, they like bought the Happy Meal, but they haven't eaten it. You know what I mean? Like they, like they see the toy inside, they're like, oh, this is going to be delicious, but it has not happened yet. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm trying to, you know, you get, you, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm not sure what that means, but I was, you know. So they're in this in-between thing, and for her to show up pregnant is for her to culturally make a statement that is marked with disgrace and shame. Not only that, but later on, y'all, the girls got to go home and explain to Joseph how in the world she got pregnant. Now, you want to talk about a hard conversation? Honey, I'm home. I've got something to tell you. Got, it's good news and, and good news. Um, I'm pregnant. I know what you're thinking. What in the world? But don't worry. It's by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, activate. Holy Spirit, activate. The Holy Spirit is activated in my womb. Hallelujah. (laughs) David is like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, Joseph is like, oh, okay. Let's activate your suitcase. Uh, (laughs) I I think the the first thing that should encourage us is that some of us, like Mary, we don't see ourselves like God sees us. When we think about ourselves, we don't think favored. When we think about our story, when we think about where we're from, we don't think top of the line. We don't think worthy to carry the child that's going to save the world. Everything about our story says not qualified, not good enough, not enough to make the mark. I want to talk to those in the room that are dealing with pieces and elements of your life that really say to you, not good enough, not important enough, not worthy enough. Some some may be sitting or watching right now and you're struggling with discouragement and insecurity because when you think of yourself, all you think about is your failure, your guilt, your shame, the areas where you've missed the mark. And you may feel like I'm unqualified to be used by God, to be seen by God. And I'm just telling you, God specializes in using unqualified people to do extraordinary things. He specializes in using unqualified people. (laughs) Albert, how do you know? Because I'm the first one in line. I'm the first one in line. I'll never forget. For years, I struggled. I flunked out of high school. 
Couldn't pass math to save my life. I was good with math stuck with just numbers. But when letters got in the equation, I was like, I'm out. I'm done. I cannot deal with this. I'm struggling with English already. Last thing I need is for English to start showing up in math class. Who let this N in here? Who let this A and this Y up in here? Why are they up in here? So when they start showing up in math, I'm just telling you, I just struggled so bad. I ended up flunking out of high school. And you know, the devil just told me, Albert, you're just not smart. You're just not smart. All the while, the enemy's telling me I'm not smart. Jesus is telling me I've got a calling on my life. So Jesus is calling me. He's developing this passion to preach and to tell the greatest story that's ever been told. But I'm also thinking I'm not smart and I'm dumb. Y'all, I remember God says, you got to go to Bible college. And I said, God, I flunked out of high school. Ain't no way in the world they're going to let me in somebody's Bible college. He says, no, 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 no. I said, God, if I got to take math, I'm in trouble. They said, no, 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 no. In Bible college, you can study the book of Numbers and you'll be all good. I was like, okay. <laughs> like, 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 y'all, I, I remember God calling me. There's this tension I want you to feel. Like, I've got the calling of God on my life, but I've also got the, the label of Satan on my life. The label that says you're dumb, you're not smart. But God's still calling me, calling me higher. So I take a leap of faith and I fill out my application to Bible college, small Bible college there in Florence, Mississippi called Wesley Bible College. And y'all, by the grace of God, I got my GED and they let me in. To be honest, the label, I want you to hear, the volume of Satan in my stupidity and my inability to, to, to learn was so, was so high, it was so loud, I really thought they made a mistake. I really thought, I'm going to get in here, and I, 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 it's a true, true fear of mine. I thought, I'm going to write my first paper, they're going to read it, and they're going to ask me to leave. I'm fearful that they're going to ask me to leave. So I remember going my first semester, English class. Miss Little, Miss Kimberly Little, remember turning in my paper, writing. They didn't ask me to leave. I finished the first semester. At the end of the first semester, my English teacher calls me into the classroom. I think, this is it. I'm about to leave. Let me, let me say, start saying goodbye to people. Um, calls me into the classroom, says, Albert, I took your papers this year. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. And she says, and I turned them in for a writing award. I've nominated you for a writing award. I couldn't believe it. I didn't win the award, but I took the nomination and I framed it and it's on my wall. I, just the fact that I was nominated surprised me like crazy because God says, when I've got a calling on your life, I don't care what label the enemy comes and puts on you. You don't wear not one thing that I didn't put on you. If I didn't put that on you, don't you wear that label. You are not dumb. You are called. So all these years I'm thinking I'm dumb and I'm not, I'm not qualified and I'm not good enough. And God says, if you just surrender surrender and resist those labels and keep answering my call. I'll use you for my glory. No, you ain't dumb. I'm going to use you. And look at you now. You're standing on the stage at Willow Creek teaching folks. God is good and he's faithful. He's faithful. So I just want to encourage you, if you're in a season of your life and Satan has told you what you're not, Satan's told you what you're not worthy of, Satan's told you you're not smart enough, someone told you that you're not good enough to start your own business, you're not smart enough to lead in that way, you're not strong enough to show up, don't believe the hype, believe the one who came and 
gave his life for you. And he says, you are called, you are beloved, you are able, you are his masterpiece. Trust him and let him use you. Let him use you. Mary had every reason not to believe. She had every reason not to hope. Every reason, her background, her status. But God is like MacGyver. Y'all remember MacGyver? Y'all remember the show MacGyver? You millennials, y'all don't watch nothing. You got to go and Google it. MacGyver, every episode, you just waited for one part. You just waited He was going to be in a situation. He's going to get in trouble every episode. He's going to get in trouble. And he would find the most random things and put together something that would allow him to get out of something. I mean, it was crazy. He'd take a a spark plug, some chewing gum, and a rock and use it and blow up a whole building. You'd be like, whoa, how did he do that? I mean, he'd take a tire, uh, some gasoline, and some barbed wire and turn it into a motorcycle. And now he riding, getting away out of the thing. You're just like, man, how does he do that? And we would tune in every week to see the pieces that MacGyver was going to put together and do something special. Oh, if you get it, I won't have to preach as long. I'm telling you, every day in your life, your God takes pieces of your story, puts it together, and he does something extraordinary. Put yourself in the hands, not of MacGyver, but in the hands of God, and he'll do something amazing in your life. Oh, I wish I had a witness up in here, up in here. So God uses unqualified people to do extraordinary things. The next thing that I see in the text is how God uses her. How God uses her. She says, I'm a virgin. How am I going to be able to do it? And he said, the spirit is going to overshadow you. The power of God is going to overshadow you. Y'all, if you're talking about hope this season, the thing we got to pay attention about Mary's story, and we got to be honest about it, it progressively gets worse. I know it's all beautiful and the angel came. Oh. She's about to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit, publicly shamed. Joseph has got to go on his own journey, but he's going to get with her. But you, you think this is a beautiful story for them? No, imagine her walking through the community. Everybody knows her from Nazareth, and she's pregnant. And it's not her husband's. Can you imagine the whispering? Can you imagine the Instagram comments? Like, it's bad. Not only that, but they go to Bethlehem. And they can't even find a place to stay. You would think if the angel, if the Lord said this was going to be my life and this was my lot, and if this was a part of the Lord's story for me, you think he could have called ahead and at least reserved me a room? I ain't even got a room, Lord. I'm walking through. Not only that, but Herod wants to kill all the newborns, so her baby is born with a, with a bounty on his head. Following the Lord's will, doing what the Lord said, and the circumstances are getting worse. Don't over-romanticize this moment with Mary. They have a hard story. And they have a hard story that goes from bad 
to worse, and God called them on it. I guess what I want you to understand is if we're going to pursue and look for these unexpected miracles and this unexpected hope, you need to understand your situation won't always get better. Sometimes following God, your situation gets worse. That's, that's not going to make a greeting card. <laughs> that's not going to make the church t-shirt. Hey, sometimes following Jesus, it gets worse. But we all know that that's true, and it's important for us to understand that and see that in this story. Joseph and Mary have a hard time, and then after that, they have a harder time. They literally have to go to Egypt and hide to keep their baby boy alive. This boy that God promised. So how do you stay faithful and how do you hold on to hope when the situation gets worse, when the circumstance gets worse? I say that because some of you, although you look nice today and you look like you got it all together, but some of you are in a situation right now and in a circumstance right now that's literally getting worse and you're wondering how do I hold on to hope when the results keep coming back with more bad news. When the relationship I'm trying to fix and build gets harder. When the money I'm trying to save, I keep having to use it. When the hope that I'm trying to have and the encouragement that I'm trying to have and the joy that I'm getting, something keeps happening. I get another email. I find out more information. I keep setback after setback after setback. And how do I have hope in the midst of setbacks? How do I have hope in the midst of chaos? How do I have peace, joy, love, and hope in this Christmas season when all I see and experience and feel is depression and discouragement? I'm looking at my circumstance and I'm looking for it to change, but nothing's changing. If Mary and Joseph was here, they would tell you, if we were looking at the circumstances, the circumstances got worse and worse. But they didn't find their peace and their hope in the circumstance. If Mary and Joseph were here, they would tell you, in a season like this, you can't watch your circumstance. You got to watch the promise of God because in the promise of God, you can still see hope. Even if your circumstances ain't changing, the promises of God are right there. They were in a bad situation, shame, guilt, fear, almost the threat of death. But they were looking at Jesus and they could see Jesus clearly. He was Emmanuel, God with us. I encourage you today, don't look at your circumstance. Look at the promise of Jesus. Don't look at your situation. Look at the promise of Jesus. Yeah, this situation says that I'm down and out, but the promise of Jesus says, no weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. Yeah, this situation looks like I got enemies coming after me, but the promise of Jesus says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Oh, my situation makes me cry at night, but the promise of God says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I'm telling you, you got to start looking at your promise keeper and not looking at your situation. Mary was overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe he ain't coming to change your situation, but maybe he's coming to saturate you with his presence. 
Maybe, maybe this season you may have to stick in this circumstance for a little while, but you ain't going to be by yourself. His promise in the text is that he will be Emmanuel, God with us. Maybe you need to fix your eyes on the one who's able to carry you. I, I'll never forget, I was, um, we were, um, it was our 10th year uh, wedding anniversary, and we went to Hawaii. We went to Kauai. We were the Kauai Island, and uh, somebody recommended that we go on a little a dinner cruise, a dinner cruise. So we went on a little dinner cruise where they got the little ship. It's not a ship. It's a, it's a boat. Uh, it's a boat, and, you, and they serve you dinner on there or whatever. And it was really, you know, Hawaii, this particular, it was really wavy. It was really rocky. So I remember I got on there, and it was like this. <laughs> just waving, and I, I just start feeling sick, and then, and then they brought out this half-cooked chicken, uh, and I was like, mm, I don't want none of that, and, it just, it, and then I start, you know, I, I start throwing up, and I just couldn't, because the water was just doing like this, and, and they said, and I'm sitting there throwing up, and people are checking on me, but you know, it, it, people just do, when you're feeling terrible, it's like, so how you feeling? I'm like, uh, uh. You know, you all right? What do you mean am I all right? Shut up, get away from me. Can't you see I'm over here dying? (laughs) When I'm dying, I don't have time to talk. You know, so so they're telling me, and then one person gave me one piece of good advice. They said, Albert, your brain and your eyes, they're all confused. So what you do is you just look out at the horizon. And and although you're on this rocky ship, just fix your eyes that's on the horizon because the horizon ain't moving. So here I am just... Try not to throw up anymore. And, and, and something happened as I started to look at the horizon. My eyes started to stabilize. Although the boat was rocky, my eyes started to stabilize because I wasn't focused on the rockiness. I was focusing on the, sta- I was focused on the stabilized horizon, and it helped bring peace and begin to settle my stomach. Oh, if y'all get it early, I won't have to preach as long. If you set your eyes on the horizon, if you set your eyes on Jesus in this season, I know things are rocky. I know things are wavy. I know things are unstable, but I encourage you, my brother, my sister, set your eyes on Jesus, and he'll stabilize your whole life. last part of this text is just so profound. It's a testament of Mary's faith. The angel said, for no word from God will ever fail in verse 37. In verse 38, she says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. She got this huge calling, this huge assignment. Watch this, this huge disruption. But she chose to believe. And she surrendered. You know, you know what she really surrendered? She had a vision for her life. Mary had a picture of what her life was supposed to look like. Mary had a picture of her plan, her and Joseph. They had it all laid out. You know, some of us, the biggest opposition to us standing and trusting God and what God has for us is letting go of our picture, the picture of our life that we have, the plan that we have for our life. We got a picture of what this year is supposed to look like. And and when God came in and says, nope, it's not going to be your picture, I got another picture. 
I got another picture. We didn't allow fear to cause us to hold on to our picture. One of the, some of us, the biggest thing that we get in trouble with, with God is God comes with another plan and we're so holding on to our plan. Because I know I wanted to go to college, I wanted to do this, and I want my kids to do this, and I wanted to be married by this age, and I got, one, and I got all these things I want to do. And God says, nope. Trust me. And sometimes because of fear of losing what our picture is going to be, we just tend to hold on to our picture. And we don't trust God to be the creator of the image of our life. Mary, in that moment, she didn't say, well, what about Joseph? What about our marriage? What about our plan? We got to, we can't, no, we were going to name our baby when we had him Joseph Jr. And now we got to name him Jesus? Well, can, can we at least name him Joseph Jr.? That way J- Joseph will be happy about it. Can we, he's like, no, 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 no. Give me your plan. And don't allow fear to cause you to develop a posture with God to where you're starting to do this with the stuff that he wants. He said, Mary, give me the whole plan. I got a whole nother vision for your life. And you know what she said? I'm your servant. Here I am. What I had was beautiful, but I'm not going to waste energy trying to hold on to what I had. Lord, I surrender, and I give it to you. It's kind of like these Buddhist monks they do this thing called sand art. Um, <laughs> it's fascinating. They take sand and they have these tools and they create these pictures, these, these images, these, these displays of art with sand. When you see it, it doesn't even look like sand at all, but it, they, they create it with art. As a matter of fact, I got a picture of them creating one of these masterpieces. Check this out. Look at that. You see, they got these tools, and what you see there is sand, and they just fill in this whole space with these different colors sand, and it's intentional. It takes about 60 hours to do it. It takes about 10 or 12 of them to work on it at a time, but when they get done, this is what it looks like. That's not stained glass. That's not... A a fabric of something sewn together. No, no, no. That is all sand. And it's beautiful. It's perfect. What an amazing picture. Now, I don't know about you. When I do a puzzle at my house or when I do anything of worth, the first thing I try to do is say, all right, we made it. How can we keep it? Uh, and you take a puzzle and try to put glue on it to try to keep it and frame it. You try to get, because the last thing you want to do is I spend all this time on this. I don't want to get rid of it. You're not going to believe this. Guess what they do when they get done with this masterpiece? Look at it. It's perfect. Guess what they do with it? They take a broom and they brush it away. Look at that. They just brush it away. Like, I don't know about you, but I'm like, oh, what are you doing? That's a masterpiece. We need to figure out how to keep it. Last thing we want to do is brush it away. That's how some of us are with God. God does something beautiful in our life. And we get a glimpse of what we want to do. And we have a beautiful season. And everything finally gets comfortable. Everything finally gets settled. Mary finally got herself together. I can just imagine. She got this beautiful picture of what her life's going to look like. And in a moment, the angel comes and sweeps it away. Notice that her posture isn't, let me try to preserve it. Let me try to save it. Oh, no, don't sweep it away. She says, Lord, I'm your servant. Have your way in my life. 
Some of us, the angel has come with a broom and he's sweeping off the old picture because he wants to do something new. Why don't the Buddhists freak out? Why don't they lose their mind when they sweep that thing away? 60 hours, they've been working on it nonstop, 10 of them. Why, are they, why aren't they losing it? Why aren't they worried? Why aren't they in a crisis when they're sweeping it away? You know why? Because they did it before. They can do it again. They don't worry about trying to recapture a good picture. The people that made that last masterpiece are still here. And if they made that masterpiece, guess what? They can make another masterpiece. You know why we don't have to be worried when God comes in with a new picture? Because he's the same God. If he made a beautiful picture before, he'll make a beautiful picture again. Mary says, God, I trust you. Why? Because I didn't get here by myself. You brought me here and you weren't going to take me where I need to be. So I'll trust you every step of the way. Here I am. I'm your servant. I trust you. Move around what you need to move around. Brush away what you need to brush away. I trust you. Some of you in here today, What does it mean? Instead of you trying to protect the picture, you just say, Lord, I'm your servant. And if you want to do something different in this season, I trust you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. All over the room, would you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for choosing unqualified people to do extraordinary things. And God, we thank you that even in the midst of circumstances not changing, you can give us a peace and a hope in the midst of a circumstance. So may your promise be captured clearly in our lives. We fix our eyes on you, the horizon. We fix our eyes on you. And Father, may we not go into this next season trying to protect what we have, but like Mary, life disrupted, life changed, her vision swept off the board. But in that moment, God, she didn't panic. She says, I am your servant. Some of us, our vision, our plans are getting swept off the board. Lord, would you help us to trust your brush? And even in the changing picture, Lord, I trust you. May our hope be found in being used by a God who specializes in folks like Mary. May our hope be found in fixing our eyes on the horizon, even in rough terrain. And may our hope be found. in your faithfulness. If you can do the first picture, I'll trust you to brush this one away because I know you can do the next one. So God, may our hope be found and our trust in you for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Willow.